Welcome. This is a human interest podcast made up of stories about people who are traveling about by train or bus. The stories, 15 or 20 minutes long, are based on actual experiences that have occurred across the United States. Welcome to Rails and Trails. Have the good day, man, my driver said as he dropped me off at the Orlando Greyhound station. Forty minutes before, he extended the same greeting as he pulled up to the curb in Oviedo. In fact, he stated it a handful of times during the ride to the station. He said nothing else, but he spoke this salutation with vigor and enthusiasm. Good morning, I had said as I sat down in the back seat. Have the good day, man. Thank you. Have you been busy this morning? Have the good day, man. And so it goes. It was a friendly morning in Florida, and by friendly I mean that it was sunny and warm, with the gentle breezes that we might associate with central Florida during this time of year. I stepped away from the car and paused for a few moments, soaking up this friendliness. At the moment, I was unaware of how unfriendly much of my trip back to Chicago would be. But none of that was happening yet. Here and now, everything was pleasant, and I savored the limited amount of time I had before embarking on a 26-hour Greyhound trip to the cold and windy city. It should be noted for the record that the Orlando Station is one of the nicest, best-maintained bus terminals in the United States. It is spacious, clean, and has comfortable upholstered seating. There is a grill on site that prepares several acceptable menu items, and the station personnel are attentive and highly professional. After confirming that my arrangements were on schedule, I decided to go back outside to soak up a little more local cordiality. Just outside the doors, I encountered human kindness of a particular sort, as some fellow travelers offered to share their sundries with me. I considered their offer, but politely declined assessing that it wasn't quite noon and that I would have a good nine hours ride before my first significant stop in Atlanta. And I had some work that I wanted to complete during the ride. Our departure was on time at about 1.15 p.m. And so we commenced the 17th stop, two transfer, and more than one whole day's journey to Chicago. We had a brief stop in Gainesville, and similarly, we pulled up in Tipton, Onadilla, and Macon. Traveling through Macon is especially diverting because of those amazing murals. The city has prioritized its own form of beautification through grants to local artists. They have created and are creating a series of works that tell local stories on the substrates of area buildings, including the bus station. There are several street side along the terminal and wrapping around the rear of the building. One, titled A Celebration of Grace by Mary Frances Burt, is my favorite so far. But the early evening darkness of winter inhibited my ability to see them clearly on this particular trip. And in just a few minutes, we were back on 75, destined for the Big Peach of Atlanta. Our bus driver did a masterful job of navigating Atlanta traffic, still heavy, even as we were closing in on 10 p.m. Once we were downtown and close to the station, he announced our imminent arrival. In addition to information related to transfers and luggage and where it would be okay to smoke, 
He went out of his way to advise caution while at this terminal. This station is surrounded by junkies, folks. Do not venture away from the terminal. These people are just waiting for you to come along. It's not the place to go in search of something to drink or smoke. And if someone offers you something to smoke, do not accept it. For your safety, there is food available inside the station. I considered how frequently he dispenses this advice, fairly certain that numerous persons give it little to no regard. There was no shortage of passengers inside the building, but there was a shortage of seating. It was about 10.15 p.m. in February, and my connection to Nashville was departing at 10.40. The atmosphere was loosely organized bedlam, but I surmised that it was only a half hour, and then I would be back on board, able to settle in for a snooze. No problem. I used my roller bag for a seat by the vending machines nearest the entrance. I was watching folks, impressed in particular by a little guy about four years old. He had a junior version of a bag that closely resembled the one belonging to his dad, and he parroted the grown-up's every move. Leaning back in his seat, legs extended and feet crossed, shifted to leaning forward, legs drawn back, head resting in his palms. Ah! She has a knife! The shriek came from the ticket counter about 20 feet away. Get back, people! Get back! For reasons unknown, a female inside the station had just stabbed a man and woman waiting at the ticket counter. A cacophony of shouting and screaming ensued. Instantly, the security guards engaged this young woman. She was exceedingly distraught. She actually had two knives, one in each hand. A loud and agonizing yell surged from a guard who took pepper spray in his face and on his head and neck. He was in agony. The targets of the attack for some reason fled the station. Travelers were all herded to the opposite side of the terminal waiting area while security attempted to restrain the assailant. She unknowingly backed her way out of the station and into an active situation where a police officer was responding to a separate incident. The area was locked down, holding all buses from coming or leaving. Passengers were not allowed to leave the holding area. The officer tried to convince the assailant to put down the knives, but she would not comply. She continued advancing toward him, forcing him to shoot her, the area was kept locked down for around two hours. I was truly impressed by and grateful for the actions taken by the security personnel. They acted decisively and professionally in isolating the threat and creating protection for all of the passengers in the midst of absolute chaos. I know of the pain the pepper spray victim was feeling, but he couldn't do anything about it because he had an active situation on his hands. Heightened anxiety often brings out the worst in some people, and several others became agitated and emotionally amped up. I've seen it before. Things get hot, and a reaction develops that rhymes with the energy in the room. Two other guys got thrown out of the station for belligerence and refusing to wear a mask in the terminal. At the time, there was still a federal mandate. Once the area was cleared of an immediate threat, station personnel began the process of boarding the several buses that had been confined during the incident. I have no doubt that they were as eager to get us out of there as the passengers were ready to leave. Once we were on board and pulling away from the station, 
I did a search for the incident on the local news. I observed network personnel as we were loading the bus. There was dramatic coverage from a number of different news outlets. The reports lacked specificity, offering no names or motives. Only the hype of a stabbing incident at the bus station that included discharge of a service gun by an officer. They all advised to check back later for further updates. I checked the next day, and the next day, and the next day still, but I never found any updates. It seems to me that interest in the story had faded into lost history, replaced by whatever real-time incident was currently taking place, offering shock value in the here and now. There is little appreciation for names and incidents from yesterday's police report, effectively the day-old rack. My transfer would take me through Chattanooga on the way up to Nashville and then to Louisville. There would be pull-ups in Marietta and Murfreesboro and Elizabethtown, but for the most part, I had a chance to get a few hours of rest. And that's just what I did. I vaguely recall pulling through downtown Chattanooga, but nothing else until we arrived in Nashville. Continuing to sleep was not an option in the Music City. Everyone was required to exit the bus and wait in the terminal. This is a frequent experience with bus travel, and during daylight hours, it's really not a problem. But it's an unpleasant imperative in the early morning hours, particularly after witnessing a heinous assault. But the rules are the rules, and so we dutifully disembarked the coach and crowded into the already congested facility. Now, there is one feature of the Nashville station that many travelers are delighted to discover. Directly across from the building and plainly visible to everyone in the waiting area is a full-service liquor store. Half pints and cigs practically jump from the shelves right into the duffel bags or backpacks of countless ticketed passengers. It's an impressive model of customer accommodation, lacking only a moving sidewalk or a skyway. I had no interest in getting a buzz, so I took a seat at a high top in the grill area and ordered a hot chocolate while watching a replay of a Baylor College basketball game. The rough-looking guy wore a black leather jacket in the James Dean style, shorter length that dropped just enough to cover the belt line. Pockets were zippered with those heavy industrial-looking zippers. The hardware was silver-colored. Basically a biker-type jacket that was well-worn and showing its age. I'm sure it was expensive in its day, but it wasn't his coat that he wanted to talk about. He was more interested in knowing about my beige work coat. The brand is not Carhartt, but it's that type of fabric, somewhat weather-resistant with flannel lining. It looks like a hunting coat without a game pouch. He approached me purposefully. That's a nice coat. How long have you had it? I nodded. I don't know, a couple years. It's not as nice as yours. He smiled, revealing just a couple of teeth. Yeah, he laughed. I got it with a pack of smokes. I nodded again. It started out that I just hit this dude up for a cigarette. Then I kind of wanted the rest of the pack. He kept them in this little pocket right here. And when I saw it, I liked it. I thought that was cool. So pretty soon I decided I wanted his coat too. I nodded again, seeing where this was going. Maybe we should trade, I jumped in. But I gotta be honest with you. A really fucked up dude puked on me a couple months ago. It was nasty and stunk real bad. I've washed it about three times. 
It seems like it's gone, but whenever it rains or gets wet, the smell comes back. It really pisses me off. He watched me for a minute with a quizzical look on his face and then shook his head in a disinterested motion. Nah, he said, I'm not interested, his voice trailing off as he headed toward the exit door, presumably ready for a smoke. It was time to reboard the bus toward Louisville, and I was relieved to find that nobody would be occupying the adjacent seat. I fell asleep easily and was comatose until arriving in Elizabethtown just before reaching Louisville. Our new driver who came on board in Nashville was friendly, but all business, and efficient. She didn't waste time, and she made sure we all knew that about her. Information was announced methodically, and it was expected that you were paying attention. So by now, we were synchronized with the schedule. Louisville was a breeze through, and we were promptly back on the way to Indy. There's a snack bar, coffee shop kind of place in the Indianapolis station. They have good coffee and sell pizza by the slice. That's not too bad. It may seem odd to line up for pizza at 6 o'clock in the morning, but it happens routinely. I took advantage of the stop to purchase one of each and still had time to brush my teeth and tidy up before the final leg of the trip to Chicago. The route from Indy to Chicago makes a stop in West Lafayette, and it's popular with Purdue students, which often results in a full bus the rest of the way to Chicago. Today was no exception as we added around 10 or 12 passengers. A young woman asked me if she could take the adjacent seat. Of course, I said, but would you mind taking the window? By this time, I was feeling the legroom constraints of the long trip, and I wanted to be able to stand up if necessary. She asked me if I got on in Indianapolis, and I chuckled and said I had actually started out in Orlando. She looked at me in disbelief. She said that she has never thought of taking a bus to somewhere like Florida, but that it must be an adventure. Without disclosing specific details, I assured her that it had, in fact, been an adventure. She shared that she has only ever been to Indiana and Kentucky. Are you a college student, I asked? No, sir. Nobody in my family is a college student. We're just regular working folks. I'm going to Chicago to help get my brother out of a pickle. Then I got to get back to work because my boss ain't very happy with me being gone. I smiled to her and complimented her on helping her family and being a dedicated employee. I'm sure the people in your life are grateful for your help. It's nice of you to talk to me like that, but the people in my life ain't really grateful for nothing. They don't know how to be grateful. They're too messed up to know what that means, I guess. It would have been stupid for me to object to her characterization of her life. It would have been condescending to encourage her to keep fighting or never give up. So I offered something honest that I could say. Well, I'm grateful for you. Talking with you today helps me have better understanding something we should all work on. And I admire you for your honesty. She smiled what I suspect was an infrequent smile, but it was authentic. I like you, mister, she said. I like you too, and good luck with helping your brother. I watched as the distance of her gaze drifted back from the nearness of our immediate space to some faraway horizon. It remained at a distance for the rest of the trip. She looked over to me as we were getting off the bus at the Greyhound station in Chicago. For whatever reason, I winked, and she smiled the biggest smile. Hey, everybody. 
This is Daniel, and I want to thank you for spending some of today with Rails and Trails podcast. The work of Rails and Trails is to bring you stories based on actual human events that have happened while out across the country traveling on trains and buses. The mission of Rails and Trails is to look for the sacred in these human interactions. So far as possible, the stories are presented in an unvarnished manner. Only first names are used to preserve anonymity. I am guided by the idea that God comes to us in the grit and grain of our daily lives. And I have no doubt completely missed plenty of those visits. The illustrative account in Matthew 25 shows me what this looks like. And it's a text with the capacity to make me shudder. Each person introduced in this podcast is a human being and is due the same dignity as all of us. I am grateful for your interest in the podcast and humbly appreciate all supporters and subscribers. I love hearing from you. If you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will do so today. Rails and Trails is my creation and is produced by Second Half LLC. Thanks again.